stronger or they're being a bit of a wendigo, um, meaning that they're being cannibalistic or selfish um, in that type of sense. So that is out there too, which I found very interesting that they used it that way. It's kind of being like, hey, you're being, for lack of better words, a shit person. <laughs> so they were using that. And I was like, oh, okay. So. Welcome to another live episode of Life's Honesty Podcast. It's your girl and your boy. Oh, this is brilliant. Look at all the spooky <laughs> brew podcasts. And I looked at some of the ones last year and I absolutely did cover something that was on an old podcast in the haunted houses place. But anyway, welcome to the third podcast. I didn't remember. <laughs> right? I didn't remember. We talked There's about been it. There's a pandemic since then. <laughs> No, that was during the pandemic. We can't even make that excuse. I know. It's, it's still awful. going. We're going to look back at these and be like, <laughs> depending on how long this pandemic lasts, how many years was that whole? That was that was a long time ago. <laughs> Let's just start rebooting all our old episodes. Let's talk about self-care, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Real like good back on. Yeah, let's talk about self-care. And I'll go back to the place I used to live and I'll just let my hair grow wild like it was and i'll wear that horrible shirt and like hey guys it's like going back and i'll pretend that nothing was wrong with me mentally okay yeah let's all go back to those hey guys it's all good anyway welcome to another spanky brew podcast we'll introduce ourselves as usual i have my boy kyle kyle introduce yourself Hello. It's going to be rough because I swallowed a carrot wrong while I was eating a snack a little bit ago. So, yes, I was eating a carrot as a snack because I'm 12. No, it was good. It was really, oh, my goodness, it was so filling because I had dinner in the fridge, but I can't eat it until we're done. So because um, I like like uh, like Ryan Gosling's character in Blade Runner 2049, I prefer to eat after the hard part of the day is done. So anyways, I'm K.R. Hinton. You can find me at uh, K.R. underscore Hinton, H-I-N-T-O-N, on Instagram, uh, on Facebook under the same name. YouTube, just K.R. Hinton, and then krhinton.com. You can find all my scribblings and stories and such and such there. Sarah, how about yourself? Well, I did not choke on a carrot today. However, I've been on meetings all day today, so my voice is also a little bit like, you know, like I drank a shot of scotch or something. It's a little bit warmed up now. Hey, <laughs> hey scotch is a delicious drink, hey. don't you? That is the one. If if somebody is buying or the company is buying me a drink, I will drink scotch. Uh, I can't stand it. <laughs> I can't stand it. Well, there oh. there's something about me. I can't stand scotch. <laughs> I can do anything else. Just don't give me scotch. Scotch is one of the few. Besides margaritas, scotch is the only kind of alcoholic oh, beverage yeah. I drink. And I drink about one or two alcoholic beverages a year, if that. <laughs> so fair fair now we know if you if you're getting a drink he only drinks once or twice a year it better be a scotch ladies and gentlemen better be a scotch (laughs) you can find all of our content at lifeshonesty.com where you can find our blogs and our podcast there might be a rebranding coming up but that's only because traction has happened on especially on our instagram page there's been 
like it's almost to a thousand following now. So now it's a little uh -huh. bit time to take things in a serious direction and kind of brand towards that. Oh, so don't tell me that now I'm gonna get all bashful. <laughs> bashful. Uh, and you can yeah. also follow us. <laughs> Soon at, on YouTube. I just need that logo. I need or I need that right? intro animation like, from you. I'll put a I'll get our YouTube channel going. So you can you see can, my outfits. Right. All the outfits, all the I have, stuff. I have you a can bunch. see us now. Uh, and you can find our Instagram at Lysonest Instagram and on our Facebook page. It looks like most of our like following on our Instagram page is from like uh, America and Dublin and same with our podcast. Our podcast listeners are mostly statistically based on the metrics from Dublin and some parts of the U.S. Oh, so top of the that... morning to you. <laughs> oh, God, no, God. <laughs> and we lost him. <laughs> <laughs> there goes Dublin. Oh, there they go. Oh, they're putting good the eye. pause button. Good eye, Dublin. This is you. <laughs> I'm doing an accent. This is an Irish accent. So. It's an Irish accent. Why me? No, no, that what I did there was a horrible accent. That was not even close to Irish. We're from Indiana, so like just our accents are just they're special, okay? We <laughs> but, have accents, we just can't hear them. Right? We can't hear them. You can probably hear them and you're like, oh my god, this is chalk, like uh nails on a chalkboard. Please just stop. Or chalk chalk on a nail board. Oh no. <laughs> that sounds painful. That does. Uh, you won't find chalk on a nail board at lifesonesty.com or our Instagram and Facebook, but we do encourage you to check them out and find all of our content. If you want to see more than you should, you can find me at Sarah Brecken on Instagram where I do boudoir and other things. So many other things. I'm a housewife. I'm <laughs> a worker i'm a media creator i wear too many hats and this is my problem that i deal with and that's fine <laughs> so yeah that's all about me and uh where you can find our stuff and find me so let's jump into okay i can't believe we're talking about this because i'm actually really excited to talk about this podcast don't get me wrong i was very excited for the other episodes but this one we just kind of decided on a whim last time it's like hey why don't we talk about this since we were talking a lot about it towards the end of our previous podcast and that is the windigo 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 so i kind of wanted to start a little bit of the windigo by one where the lore comes from and what a windigo is for people who don't know so that way you guys can get just because a lot of people are like, what is a Wendigo? What, what does this mean? Are you saying, you know, an order for a taco in Spanish? No, that is not what Wendigo means. Please don't do that at a drive through somewhere. <laughs> so don't do that. But all the lore is surprisingly familiar to home, uh, especially for those who may descend from this. So According to a lot of the legends, hopefully I'm right and not wrong about this, but it looks like a lot of it comes from Native American folklore about cannibalistic beasts and being in the woods essentially. And they kind of brought this story based on weird things that have either happened to them or other legends. Um, some of them are kind of like forewarnings, like, you know, like most 
legends are. There's a lot of Japanese legends that are like, hey, don't clip your toenails at night or else a giant pair of scissors will come at you. And I'm just like, that's oh, a that's, weird one. But that's, There's a reason I don't clip my nails at night. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get stared. But legends like that, and that's kind of also where this legend also stems from, is a little bit of forewarning. And surprisingly, it also has to do with humans as well like saying there's a saying out there that kind of goes oh they're um becoming the wendigo or the wendigo spirit has taken over or they're being a bit of a wendigo um meaning that they're being cannibalistic or selfish um in that type of sense so that is out there too which i found very interesting that they used it that way it's kind of being like hey you're being for lack of better words, a shit person. Um, so they were using that. And I was like, oh, okay. So. You're being a douche, bro. You're being a total Wendigo. 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 You're being a Wendigo. Wendigo. Hashtag Wendigo. It started yeah. here first. You're right here. T-shirt coming soon. T-shirt coming sh soon to a place near you. Wendigo, bro. Wendigo. Anyway. So I don't know what Native American tribe started this. And I feel like a lot of times when it comes to like Native American folklore, it's like, oh, there has to be a tribe. But in all honesty, I don't want to pinpoint it on one tribe in case I am wrong. Oh, um, I will. Oh, God. <laughs> Kyle will. <laughs> well, it's part of the Algonquin Nation. So that's actually. Oh, tribes. that's what it is. Cause, okay. Because I was going to go into the different the different nations and, and how they describe uh, physically described the Wendigo, because there's okay, there's yeah. differences among the different nations. So the Ojibwe, yes. yeah, the Ojibwe say it's a skinny skeletal creature with bloody lips. And I thought the bloody lips was interesting, um, but basically they're saying it's like it's it's covered with skin, but it's like this very skeletal, like it's got bones pushing out against the skin. Its eyes are set back into its sockets, like it looks like something that's starving. Um, it's got uh, just, yeah, torn up and bloody lips, which I thought was an interesting touch. There is actually a, a poem, and I looked for it and I couldn't find it, but there was a poem I remember reading a long time ago where it described the Wendigo had just giant blubbery lips. And I don't understand what the fixation is on the mouth, I guess because of the eating, but I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, among the Eastern Cree, West Main, Swampy Cree, Naskapi, and Inu, uh, they actually described the Wendigo as a giant, uh, many times larger than a normal human. Um, among the other Algonquin nations that have the Wendigo myth, the, these uh, these couple of uh, tribes are the only ones that have this this um, this part of the legend. They're the only ones that perceive it as a giant. Um, I, I think I mentioned last episode when we were talking about missing for one one when we briefly <laughs> dove in and talked about the Wendigo that. Part of the, the legend I found fascinating is that no matter how much the Wendigo eats, he's never satisfied. Well, according to these tribes, it's because he grows in proportion to the person he just ate. So he can never be satisfied because his body grows. Mm. And so, yeah, um, the uh, Chippewas of Rama First Nation, they actually have a story, a short story that talks about the Wendigo um, in a story that's referred to as the Wendigo. Um, that says the Wendigo is capable of uh, speech, strategy, thought, uh, and auto-cannibalism, which is eating itself uh, in times of need. Um, it can also survive um, having limbs removed from it. 
So very interesting story about an Indian boy who uh, gets uh, captured by a Wendigo and a Wendigo won't eat him because he's not fat enough yet. So he has him go to another tribe and like try to bring some of them out. And he convinces the tribe to go out and kill the Wendigo, but they don't kill it all the way. And they come back out and the Wendigo is eating itself. And they're like, oh, ho, ho, lots of fat on your legs. Huh? And the Wendigo's like, yeah, because I eat lots of Indian smack, 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 because it's smacking its lips. And oh, they, yeah. They chop it up and kill it. Um but yeah, I also found it interesting because you know this, but I don't think our listeners know this. I'm terrified of owls in real life. Not pictures, not CG owls, not a drawing of an owl or owls in a museum, but real owls because they're terrifying and horrible and they want to, they're, they're conspiring against you. <laughs> Death birds. The name, at least in Proto-Algonquin, which, so it may not be accurate because it's Proto-Algonquin, so it's Algonquin from the ancient days, basically has been re, uh, reconstructed as we Ntekowa, which may or may not mean owl. So just another reason to not like them is they uh, may also be related to the owls. So great, great. That was what I had for the physical descriptions from the legends. Okay, so what I know about the like Agonquin legend is that it goes like uh, the Wendigo was once a lost hunter during brutal winter and then because obviously he's hunting there's it's winter there's nothing there uh brutal hunger hunger not hunger <laughs> a brutal hunger Hungle. drove himself to cannibalism so after like feasting on others he transformed into this like cre- crazy man beast that they call the wendigo so that's kind of the like two sentence of what a Wendigo is and that his hunger is never satisfied. And there are many stories like Kyle had mentioned in different versions of the Wendigo. Like there are some versions where the Wendigo is a huge beast with horns and others where it's a tinier like deer-like looking one, but very scrawny and looks uh, like it's malnourished. And so I feel like the many descriptions they all have things in common, obviously, like the hunger aspect, but I feel like the physical descriptions are so far and few in between. And I love that they're all different. I love that they have their own differences and how they want to describe the Wendigo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how it, that's how a myth spreads, right? That's how it evolves. It evolves right. just like an animal that just, you know, changes and adapts depending on the people that spread the myth. I mean, I love I love folklore. I uh, can't get enough of it. There's just so much about the Wendigo himself and where you can find it. So a lot of, apparently it's like what, United States and Canada where you'll find mm-hmm. most of this folklore. And I think the most tragic and scary part about the Wendigo is this one feature. And I don't know when this feature came into play, but that's when the Wendigo would trick you by mimicking a human's voice. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is terrifying. Mm-hmm. If I heard that like house right now, yeah, like uh, I would just get up and be like, you know what, this house can burn down. It's fine. There's a wind to go in here. It's cool. There's a wind in here in the house. It's, it's in the wall. It's in the wall. It, there's it knows, there's it wind to go like... holes in the baseboard. That's oh, God. <laughs> some wind to go treats. And so I feel like that's the most scary aspect about the Wendigo, Wendigo is that. Uh, the physical description doesn't really scare me too much, only because it just reminds me of a hyena or a dog that's been shaved. <laughs> like really scrawny, like a gray complexion type creature that's like needs to feed. 
Um, and I think what was interesting in your story is how it talked back, like that mm -hmm. child story. That was kind of creepy. Like it talks back. Oh God. Yeah, like, well, it's a person. I mean, it's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Ooh, it's not cool, though. No. It's creepy. So a lot of people kind of use it, especially in Native American lore, as warnings and also, like I mentioned earlier, just stories of, you know, not being a selfish person. Um, because it, if you look at the lore, it is literally a man who was just constantly hungry, went out on his own, selfish, and then ate a bunch of people because he was so hungry and continued that. So I can see how culture kind of put warnings around that story to it's kind of like our santa claus like you know don't be mean or else santa claus won't give you presents or if you've watched our episode about santa claus versus krampus you know the difference <laughs> so <laughs> there are many legends and why there are these wise tales between them they're to give you a message but i very much appreciate the tale of the wendigo so I'm not going to be going into the forest and being a selfish person anytime soon and becoming a Wendigo. But with that being said, there are Wendigos that have been placed in pop culture as of recently. And Kyle and I also wanted to talk about this. And that was uh, the fact that Until Dawn is a Wendigo, oh, air quote, story but is it a wendigo no. story because after i started reading up on the wendigo i realized yes there are a lot of similarities but i feel like they took the wendigo and just i don't know kind of <clears throat> massacred it <laughs> well okay so my problem is that's and it's a great game and maybe we can talk about now we can move into how the wendigo is portrayed in different pieces of media before we move mm -hmm. into like the meat of discussing the story that we read but yeah, um, and Until Dawn, which is a, a actually a really good game. It's about choices, and it's like a spooky like slasher story. And like one of your friends is a killer. Well, spoiler alert. One of your friends, <laughs> I'm not gonna say which one. One of your friends is a killer, and is killing your friends in this mountain resort to get revenge for some crap. And then uh, and there's also <laughs> okay. a guy in a gas mask, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna protect you kids, but you think I'm scary? Um, and then at the end, there's there's a creature. It's, it's a spooky creature, and it's crawling around, and it kind of looks like um, a slightly bigger golem from Lord mm -hmm. of the Rings, and that's the Wendigo. And I'm disappointed by that portrayal of the Wendigo because, one, it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with the story. Like, yes, you get chased by it, and you have to fight it. But it's more about your friend who's just, you know, you know a few fries short of a happy meal and is killing you, uh, and you don't know it. Um, Wendigo doesn't really have any powers, I mean, there's some trippy scenes in that game, but it's not because of anything supernatural. I think it's like there's drugs or something like that. I, right. I'm really trying hard to remember because it's been a while since I've played it. It's been basically since whenever it came out, like maybe a year or so. Yeah, he um, has a mental breakdown because yeah. he doesn't have his medicine and it sends him into a psychotic breakdown yes. to where and he's it is, vividly seeing things. It is incredibly vivid and it's scary, but it has nothing to do with the Wendigo. The Wendigo is not influencing it. And see, this is going to be a common thread. I very much like stories where the Wendigo is more than just, like, a creature. Like, it's not a cryptid. It, it is a spirit that has a physical form, so it has powers. Like, it can do things. Like, it's got intelligence. It can influence nature. 
Uh, yeah, it can know your name without you saying it. Like, it's not some, it's not a beast. It's basically. Right. Uh, and like appearance, I used to be <clears throat> really hung up on the appearance of it. Cause I'm like, that's not the one. Like, he doesn't have deer horns, but like, who cares? Whatever right. people think is scary. Cool. Go with it. I don't think it necessarily has to have a definite shape. Um, but just, it's just this creature. It's like basically a werewolf. That's what it is. It doesn't really play much into the story but it's there so people say right and what confused me a little bit about it is there were so many (laughs) like so many and I was just like well if it goes by like one person it's like a vampire like effect versus like a person that turns into a wendigo and then eats people it's more like I nom nommed on this person a little bit, and then this person also turned into a window. Yeah, that's and then, not how it happens. Yeah, and there's a little bit more lore in the game that kind of explains. Like they try to do a good job at explaining the spread and how it happens, but in true Windigo lore, it it doesn't happen like that. And granted, we are talking about a fictional thing that has its own spin, so hey, I understand that. But when it comes to like the Native American lore and to what Until Dawn kind of transformed the story to. It's it's a quite a bit difference of how it's passed, how it happens, why there's so many of them. Granted, I get it because they're in the forest in like the United States slash kind of bordering Canada. So I can I see the like relevance Manit- there. Yeah. So. They're in Manitoba or something like that, or like uh, Alberta. No, they're in Alberta. I think if I remember the story correctly. Yeah. They're, they're pretty close. So I was like, okay, that ties in the look. I like the look of the Wendigo in the game. And I feel like they do a great job of the look and feature, but oh, I sure. do agree. I feel like I didn't want it to just be the side thing. It was either yeah. the whole thing for me or not. <laughs> they had, but they had to have an unknown spooky, I guess. But I, I mean, like, I don't know. It just didn't fit. I mean, honestly, the scariest part of that game was Peter Stromare. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> Peter Stromare, but I'm not actually here. It's like, oh, Peter, what are you doing? I'm a psychologist. Yeah, Peter Stromare digitized. Like, that's what we needed. <laughs> I mean, that his performance in that game, fantastic. Oh, it was I good. It. I lived for his appearances. Every time there was a mental breakdown moment, I was there for it. I was like, yes, show me the book of lies, sir. Yeah, pick the, pick the picture, which <laughs> is your favorite sound. No. Um, it is fantastic. So um, there's another piece of media where I really like the way it's portrayed. But it's technically not portrayed, but it is part, it's the whole reason the story even happens, Pet Cemetery. So a lot of people don't know is that Pet Cemetery is actually a Wendigo story because the Micmac, which I feel like is probably a derogatory term for for a First Nations tribe, but I've never looked it up. So I can't really say whether it is or not, but the Micmac tribe has a burial ground. And if you bury animals in there or people, spoiler alert, for those of you who have never seen this this movie or read this book that's like 40 years old. Anyways, um, you bury something there, it comes back to life. Um, the legend in the book is that there's a wendigo that actually watches over this ground and its spirit has soaked into the ground and is the magic behind the resurrection. So I love it because while you don't see it, because seeing it would kill you, like that's how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really directly play, like the wendigo doesn't come out of the woods and come at any of the characters, but like there's a part where the guy, I don't remember his name, Gage's dad, he's in the woods and he feels the presence of the Wendigo move past him. 
Um, and it mentions in the book, and then it doesn't mention it again. So, like, he's, like, way back in the shadows. He's pulling the strings. You know, he never talks to the characters, but, you know, he's intelligent. He's got dark magic. He's, you know, influencing nature. He has power over life and death, which is not really part of the Wendigo legend, but I like it because it goes, like, the other way, which is, like, this isn't even, like, a, a beast anymore. It's, like, it is a spirit. It's, like, a wizard. It's just something, and you never see it. So it's it's uh, kind of like the story we're going to discuss. You never actually really get a good look at it, which I think is, to me, is a hallmark of what a good Wendigo story is when you can never really fully see it um, because to see it is to go mad. It's almost Lovecraftian in that way. Yeah, and I like how... Because I feel like the Wendigo has to be creepy, in a sense, yeah. because I don't feel like it should be a creature that needs to be seen. And I can appreciate stories like the one that we read where it's like you hear it, but you don't actually like mm-hmm. physically see it in the story. And I think a lot of the creepy portrayal, like mimicking the voices and like it's luring people. It is a hunter, but it's not like, you know, a just standard hunter. It's trying to lure you in versus mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to run after you. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't climb over the walls and like drop on you and wrestle you to the ground with its claws. Like it doesn't need to do that. Nope. Yeah, it has other ways. Because you gotta but, remember, it was once human, and what do humans like to do? We like to lure our prey. So we like to play with our food. Yeah, like cats. We're bad <laughs> at that. <laughs> Um, and then I know there's also a portrayal of Wendigo in Supernatural, but I have not seen this portrayal. Um, and, Either, and, Okay, and I've already promised John I'm going to watch it with her, so nobody comment and ruin it. I'll be interested to see it, because I, I like Supernatural. I've seen a couple episodes I respect that I know I need to actually watch it. I know it's a good show, um, kind of like a more, you know, modern Buffy. Um, and mm-hmm. strangely enough, Buffy, I don't believe, ever fought a Wendigo. But why would she? She was in Cal- Southern California, so... Doesn't really, that's not really their stomping grounds. Mm, Do we have any other? I know there's a movie called Wendigo, but I believe it's more about Wendigo psychosis, which is a real thing, which we can talk about a little bit, although I did not do in depth research on it. So I don't want to, I kind of want to just touch on it. But it's about like some Civil War soldiers in a fort in the north in the snow, and they have to resort to cannibalism. And I, yeah, I think it's more about the psychosis. I don't know if the Wendigo itself makes an appearance. Um, although it's certainly the correct setting for it. So originally I thought, and if you've watched this already on Netflix, Midnight Mass, I originally thought the creature might have been a Wendigo, oh. but it was not. And I was okay. saddened. Well, don't spoil that. it. Yeah, because I still need to watch it. No, it was not. And I was very saddened and disappointed. But it started off where you're just like, is it a Wendigo? Because the discrete, like the physical features kind of look yeah. like that. And you're just like, oh my God. And I got really excited to only be sorely disappointed because it's just another old, just overdone lore. But however, uh-huh. the show was great and they put a twist on it. I was well, just sad with the creature they used. Well, and that's, that's okay. on me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they can put a new spin on it. Do you have any other pieces of media where the Wendigo has been portrayed? Uh, not that any come to mind. And that's quite sad because I feel like there are probably lots out there, but I feel like in terms of like mainstream media, there's not a lot. Like I had to even dig to find um, just research about the Wendigo and where it stems from and how they use it now. Cause 
a lot of them use it now as not only like, you know, be careful in the woods, but also to be like, you can become a Wendigo spirit, not the like physical form, but the gluttony and the selfishness, that's more so what they lean on towards now. Yeah, he's become a safety manual instead yep. of a threat. Basic instructions before, before entering leaving. forest. Oh yeah, before entering forest. That'd be the <laughs> into Bye Beth. Bye Beth. The Bebef. Bebef. B I B E B I B E F. That's the book for me. No, anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Well, let's talk about the book. Yeah, the book. Okay, so <laughs> Kyle mentioned this and was like, "Hey, the Wendigo's in this book. You have to give it a read." And it's I was the like, only thing that's in this book, right? Exactly. It's the only. Okay, there's other heavy things in this book that are heavy, but <laughs> the Wendigo is the feature, like the scary feature. Now, for some of us, especially in today's cancel culture, you may see other horrifying features as you listen oh. and read to this book. However, oh, yeah. So, so, Give it a so, chance. <laughs> yeah, Algernon Blackwood. He was a contemporary of H.P. Lovecraft. So, mm -hmm. but he did not uh, share H.P. Lovecraft the extent of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, infamous convictions about race. And I mean, for instance, like I told Sarah before the show, H.P. Lovecraft had a short horror story where the horror reveal at the end was that the entire world had been taken over by uh, Asian folks, and that was scary to H.P. Lovecraft. That was a horrific ending like no um so yeah uh <laughs> scary um but he's not it, it's not quite as bad but it is of its time so you do have to know that going in that you're going to see a few terms that you may not have seen in a couple of years uh you may see people uh you may see uh, positive stereotypes um for instance there's a there's a lovingly named indian guide uh, and they're like, he can creep through the woods like only a, like only an engine can. I'm like, oh, this is okay. <laughs> he has the nose of a dog. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, like... he's got the. I think I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. They were like, yeah, Punk thought about how the pale faces couldn't smell the. I'm like, wow. I mean, granted, I did laugh at some of the like references because to me they are so old, like thrown back now. You know, in it's... the time we are now, I can't help but to laugh because it's kind of funny. <laughs> It's not. It's not. It's not anything that's gonna, I think, stop anybody from reading. No, it. just no, know it, that it's in there going in and just give it a little. Wow, ah, those old days were. Yeah, the times. Just think about that. It's like you know, your grandmother's great, but she's yeah. not the greatest when it comes to the LBGT community. Like, think about it that way. But going into this book. <laughs> Back in my day, girls used to be born with hoo ha's, and boys used to be born with jimmies, and. That was okay, and, and FBI was were in from office. Jupiter and, and men and girls were from Mars, and men were from Jupiter. Like you know, and then from then. Mars, the man, the bad man planet. No, I, I remember <laughs> when eggs used to be ten cents. All right, take your take your iron pills. Exactly. So remember that these terms are dated, and appreciate the lore and not so much mm. the racism that's basically outdated. What an interesting yeah. And what an interesting and powerful take on the lore. It's not one that I've really seen replicated uh, all the way. Um, all right, so the basic plot of the book, and me and Sarah both listened to it. I've actually read it several times, but not recently. And so I've listened to it the past couple of days while I was working. So <laughs> there's going to be some holes. But uh, basically, 
these four guys. Okay, hang on. Let's see. Hank, Dr. Cathcart, Defago, who's a Canadian uh, guide. Uh, the book, I think, lovingly refers to him as a Canuck. Yeah. Uh, Simpson, who's like. He's um I think he's like a pastor's a preacher's apprentice or something right he's he's yeah. some member of the clergy oh five because then there's punk the uh, the affable uh, first nations guide who cooks them uh, bacon and coffee every morning like the book just takes tender like it's tenderly describes the coffee and bacon which made me want coffee and bacon every time I heard it but um, yeah they they go on a, a moose hunting trip uh, up north. Uh, into the boreal forest. Now, I did some research because there are several places named in the book. Could not find any of these places. Rat Portage is not a real place, or at least it isn't now. Uh, 50 Island Water is mentioned. Could not find that either. Most people agree that the story likely takes place somewhere between the border of Manitoba and Ontario. So mm -hmm. if you want to go to Minnesota, whatever the state to the left of Minnesota is, and go north, that's where Ontario is. And then if you go a little bit west of that, you'll hit that border. And this is the, you know, Canada's boreal forest. It's this huge, huge forest range. Not really any mountains. There's a lot of hills and valleys, tons of lakes, just thousands and thousands of lakes. Um, the boreal zone, for a few fun facts, is home to 150 bird species, half the bird species in Canada. Lots of woodland caribou, too. 70% um, of Aboriginal communities in Canada are in the forested regions of the boreal forest zone. 3.7 million people live in the BZ in uh, remote and rural communities. Um, and the forest itself is not an ancient forest. It's relatively young as the trees are renewed uh, regularly through disease and fire and, you know, natural causes. So... Uh, not really an ancient forest, but a pretty cool area. Anyways, they go up to this area to do some moose hunting. <laughs> Good and, old moose hunting. Yeah, and um, their guide, Defago, is like, do you smell that? Smells like Wendigo booty stank. And everybody else is like, no, we don't smell that. And Punk is like, ah, I smell that. And uh, everybody ignores him. They, uh, Simpson and Defago go off by themselves, um, I think up to 50 Island Water, uh, they start hearing weird noises uh, in the morning. Simpson wakes up and hears Defago's name being called and hears some shouting about uh, his great fiery feet. And then <laughs> Defago is gone. Simpson searches everywhere for Defago. He goes out and searches for him like basically all day, comes back, goes out, searches for him again, and then decides he needs to go back to his crew. So he goes back to the main camp. And it's like, I can't find him. Something weird happened. I think it got taken away. He, I saw some tracks in the ground, some really weird tracks. You got to read it because the way that Blackwood describes how these tracks work is very spooky. Um, basically watching how these tracks uh, change and transform. Mm -hmm. um, he goes back and says, I can't find him. Here's what happened. And they say, oh, you were imagining things. Well, they go out to go look for Defago. And um, they can't find him, and they come back to camp, and Defago has returned. Or is it Defago? Oh, I won't spoil it. it. Yeah, I won't spoil <laughs> it because it's personally my favorite part of the book, but there is a very chilling exchange between all these gentlemen around the fire where things start to uh, change, and it's, uh, it's pretty good. Um, and then uh, they leave the, uh, leave the uh, wilderness after that happens and go back to their base camp. And uh, there is a resolution. I'm not going to spoil it here. Um, it's actually kind of a sad resolution, honestly. Um, but, yeah. yeah. So 
the way that they describe things in this book though is it's very very descriptive one of my favorite lines is uh <laughs> the odor of lions <laughs> it's yeah. just like <laughs> they describe the way the wendigo smells and i just shortened it to you know wendigo booty stank but let's you know it's wendigo booty stank that odor of the lions <laughs> that odor of the lions uh he's got some spraying on some night swept anyways um <laughs> there's a part where it talks about defago plucking moss off of his cheeks and after having heard the whole story and understanding what that means when he's plucking moss off of his swollen cheeks uh is uh is very is is kind of a chilling image like i said especially if you read the whole story up until then you know exactly what that means um and just seeing what happens to this little crew and you know it goes a little bit into like their lives after the event and how it's changed and yeah um it's uh there's a lot of interesting imagery and a lot of a little bit of philosophizing and uh, talking about you know how men react during fear and you know the limits of believability and just being so completely uh, isolated and alone in the wilderness yeah because there was one part um which i haven't read it all so spoiler alert for everyone else who was hoping i read it all i did not uh, <laughs> but i'm going to finish it because it is very compelling but one of the pieces that i do remember leaving off on is they were all terrified around the campfire and eventually they do go to bed um but before this it was one part where he's like and i realized i was trying to hide my fear behind shunned laughter in a joke and i could relate to that on a hard yeah. level because <laughs> especially they're all trying to be like manly men and not be terrified however the people that do know something's up are definitely terrified but they're also kind of putting it on the back burner they're like i don't want to say it's something and kind of freak everyone else out i kind of just i'm not quite sure but something's going on so there's a lot of like read in between the lines in this story of people's emotions um what that could be conveying especially the people that can smell the sense that the pale faces can smell right and all that stuff so i was like oh okay and the emotions described in this book are very relatable, um, though the outdated terms aside, I could see how this story is a good introduction to the Wendigo because right off the bat, uh, you know where you are, you know what they're doing, and then things start going awry and start getting strange. And there's still a little bit of mystery left in there for you to keep wanting more. And I feel like that's good storytelling. So if you want an introduction to the Wendigo, I'd say this is a great one. Yeah, and it's very fleet. I mean, this thing books, like you start out in the wilderness and you end in the wilderness. Like there's no preamble, basically. You are you are in the thick of it with these folks. I mean, the first major event happens maybe 20 minutes into a read, like 20, mm -hmm. 25. It's about, it'll take you about two hours, two and a half hours to read it. You could read it in the evening. It's a, nove it's a novellette. I don't remember how many words it is. I think I said it wasn't like 17 or 18,000. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, it's very short. In fact, if I have any critiques about it, it's honestly about the pacing. I mean, there's a lot of time spent searching for Defago in the middle part of the book that I think can just be cut out. Like he's searching for him for a long time and there's not a lot of spooky stuff happening during some of that searching. And I, I think they could, he could have used that to better effect. I think he could have put some other things there or just cut it out. I mean, there's a, like I said, there's a couple of pacing issues beside the, the issues with, um, you know, 
the language, but um, I don't really have too many complaints. It's a good book. Honestly, if, if people read it and they like Blackwood, there's another short story of his that I recommend called The Willows, not related to the Wendigo at all. And that one takes place in, I think, Europe. But that one's also pretty interesting. That one's a little bit more trippy, a little bit more Lovecraftian. You got the uh, you got the kind of the cosmic horror and the the reality bending stuff. So that one's not quite in the same vein, but it's also very good and very thought provoking. So, um, but I don't know. I prefer this to to most of Lovecraft stuffs, honestly. I mean, right. you saw it. He saw it and it drove him mad. Like, just don't see it. Just hint yeah, at don't, it. Yeah, don't, don't just squint. Just you know. <laughs> Yeah, you take off your glasses. <laughs> yeah, and I'll be I'll be I'll be honest here and give it away a little bit because we already did earlier. You really don't see the Wendigo. You see some disturbing things and you see bits and pieces, and the bits and pieces you see are are very well done, but you don't see it, and that's okay. I don't, yeah, I don't I feel, feel like, yeah. yeah. I don't feel cheated. I mean, this was back when you you know, people were a little bit more not a little bit more creative because there's some creative horror that's that's made these days, but I think there was less of it being made. So I don't know. I feel like people had less to copy off of and so maybe they had to infuse ideas from other places that weren't horror. And yeah, we didn't have the music stop and then all of a sudden that cat pops out of the locker. <laughs> right. It was, this is less about jump scares and more about that lingering, unpleasant feeling. Mm. Like we've all experienced one of those where you're sitting in a room alone and you have maybe an unpleasant feeling and it lingers there for a bit. And then you you try to get over it, but you can't stop thinking about it for the rest of the night. That's pretty much how I feel that this book plays. And I absolutely love it that it plays out with that emotion carrying through the whole book because that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> yeah, it's just a sense of building dread, basically. Yes, and you can also, if you're not an avid reader or you're a slow reader and you want to knock this out, or maybe you're like us and you work, but you also listen to things while you work, you can find a great version that I've been listening to on YouTube by uh, Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. They do a lot of great stuff, but they happen to have done a version of this book. Uh, it's just one person reading, uh, so it's not like a bunch of voiceovers like I was hoping, but she does a really good job, so check that out the windigo uh, by chilling tales for dark nights on youtube if you want to give it a listen i definitely recommend it since we are in spooky season and you want something maybe a little bit chilling and maybe you want to learn some stuff about the windigo and if you're going camping maybe tell your friends <laughs> tell your friends tell your friends, tell your friends about the windigo <laughs> the 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 version i listened to was by librivox librivox audiobooks on youtube Ooh. And man, that lady started out pretty good, but then like towards the last half hour, I was like, she's done. <laughs> she's ready to be done. Cause she's like, and then I went to go. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> she was like, and dad. And her accent changed girl. several times. Like wasn't clear on where she the narrator herself was from because she had a couple of weird, like very slight accent shifts, like not for characters, but just like in her normal narration voice. So I was a little a little put off. But I wish I had read the scary stories one or I'd listened to it, but you can yeah. basically, it's public domain, so anybody who has wanted to can put out a version of an audiobook, so there's plenty to choose from. So just pick a voice that works for you and get started, or like I said, it's free. Go go to the Gutenberg Project, uh, download it, uh, get a Mobi file, put it on your Kindle or your phone, uh, and just read it whenever. Uh, really easy to find. Yeah, for free, you really can't beat it. I mean, I would have paid a buck or two for it, honestly. It's, it's pretty good. It is a great story. It's great. <laughs> it's great. 
Oh, you're trying to talk to our <laughs> Irish audience now. <laughs> it's a great time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't, you know what, that's a good question. I wonder if like places like Europe have a Wendigo, you know what I'm saying? Because it's only like here in the United States and Canada that this kind of lore started, but I wonder if it's passed through. So if anyone knows and can comment, has it passed through your region? Do you have a version a, of a Wendigo? Is there a Santa tracker for the Wendigo? Is there a Santa tracker for Wendigo? You know, as you've been traveling, <laughs> getting get on a plane. Tracker. Yeah, it's bringing you gifts. What? Bringing you gifts, it eating your family, from... you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the Wendigo inspired me when I was younger because I wanted to write a, a scary story like it. Um, and, you know, when we went to Boundary Waters, um, I had just read the story and I was like, maybe this is 2005 or six, 2005. So I was like freshman going into sophomore year high school and Boundary Waters Canoe Base and that chain of lakes in northern Michigan is, is about two to three hundred miles from where the Wendigo story takes place. So it's not too far. And I mean, let me tell you, you're out there in the middle of the woods by yourself. It's remote. You can't really, the only way out is to get in that canoe and start paddling. Like there's no roads, nothing. It's wilderness and lakes and that is it. Um, cue the murderers. <laughs> cue the bears that can swim. I mean, that's, you don't even need a bird. Just need a, a bear that smells your granola bag and it's willing to swim across a lake at you. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I've also, like, I've written uh, two stories. Um, one's not about the Wendigo, but one's it's a short story about another piece of First Nations lore, uh, Wissakid Jack, or Whiskey Jack, who's a, a trickster spirit, and a story about a, a scary uh, encounter with him. And then I actually did write a Wendigo story, and it takes place from the perspective of a character who is being turned into a Wendigo, and... Uh, that character wandering through the woods and, and the things that happens to them. Uh, I, I played it very much like this kind of one to go like an omnipotent, uh, you know, behind the scenes, uh, you know, cannibalistic character. Um, so it's been a pretty big inspiration. I just, I think they're cool. And do I think they're real? Um, you know, I'll be honest. No, <laughs> but I think it's a, I think it's just a very interesting uh, I think very, very underserved uh, cryptid, I guess, or, or you know, a legend. I think it's more of a legend, honestly, than a cryptid. Um, right. I depends. wanted desperately to be real. <laughs> real. Because I'm that person. I want legends to be real so people can just... Because some people need to face justice, but like nature justice, you know what I'm saying? Justice? <laughs> like not justice a typhoon, justice. but like a Wendigo. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay, so think about it. So Tarzan, the, uh, the Clayton, that's the type of person that I'd want the Wendigo to eat. Yeah, Clayton, no harm. Clayton. So I think some people deserve uh, nature's justice, and uh, sometimes I wish that <laughs> these things were real. Yeah. Or he yeah. could turn into the Wendigo, but then again, I don't feel like yeah, we talked about this. Powers. So we talked like, about this. The exactly, it doesn't punishment work. Myths, they're always like, let's give this this horrible person an amazing power that'll right. punish them. Yes. Please, that's how you punish someone, is by giving them awesome power. 
That's how you do it. You punish the evil by giving them more evil. Yeah, skinwalkers. Oh, he murders people. Let's turn him into a like a shape-shifting monster. That'll punish him. <laughs> Hang on, wait a minute. It's like every evil villain out there and every evil villain trope. It's like, and he turns into a monster. So thinking it's a punishment, I'm like, that's what they want. <laughs> Stop giving yeah. it to them. <laughs> It's like, I mean, or I think maybe it's supposed to be like, because me and I just finished showing my kids Harry Potter. And, you know, Voldemort, he, you know, splits his soul into seven pieces, you know, into seven Horcruxes to make himself invincible. Um, and to do that, he has to murder. So it's not really a punishment. It is what he's trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, maybe that's, maybe they're, they're coming out of the bent, like, well, he murdered someone so he could become a skinwalker. But, like, it's just, the way I've always heard it is it's a punishment. Listen, he asked too many questions, got into some magic he shouldn't have, and that's what happened. Somebody <laughs> okay. probably left it, left the magic out one night. You know, <laughs> you know someone and... left the key to the forbidden <laughs> books. <laughs> the key to the forbidden books. Because uh, he's like, oh, there's, like, lore like spells that we're not supposed yeah. to do and i'm like you just leave that stuff lying around for students to get to and expect nothing to happen listen they put it in the forbidden section of the library which is not super forbidden because every kid in hogwarts seems to know about it right every Let's kid see. with an invisibility cloak can get into the forbidden yeah. part of the library these days yeah i don't know if i was in high school and i was reading some forbidden books it would not have been a spell book <laughs> Let me just tell you that right now. Listen, he had a vendetta. He obviously was thinking long term, okay? He was looking for, <laughs> he was basically looking into his 401k and seeing how he could make his deposit, okay? He had yeah. an evil plan. He was planning, you're right. He was planning for the future. He was dividing his, inter his interests, his investments. Yep. And uh, yeah, it built up, but he definitely did not cash out when he should. <laughs> Yeah. Don't be Voldemort, kids. Plan for your future, but learn when to cash out. And when it's time to pull from your retirement, I mean, pull from your retirement. You know, I saw an interesting stat that was like the average wizard lives to like 140, and Voldemort at the time of Deathly Hallows was 70. And they're like, so if he hadn't split his soul, he would have actually lived longer. Yep. <laughs> just lived long or if he'd just been a, a decent guy, he would have lived longer. Right. See, see how that works? Don't be bad. Yeah. Don't become a Wendigo. Don't the be real, <laughs> The real punishment for being a bad person is uh, death. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Your life is short. No, no special powers. You just die. You um, just do. If only that were... No, just kidding. About to say something. Tragic. <laughs> but that is our... Yeah, that's our research about the Wendigo. I, I'm i in love with this lore now more than I was before because before it was like, you know, I put some butter on the toast, but I actually didn't know like there was a whole sandwich involved when it came to the Wendigo. So now that I've had the sandwich, I'm definitely more inclined and I love the lore. So you should get involved and uh, definitely hop on the YouTubes and give the Wendigo a good listen or read. Tell us if there's any type of Wendigo mm -hmm. stories in your area. I'm very interested, especially if it's like somewhere that's not the United States or Canada and it's made its way there, because that'd be pretty interesting. Who was on a train? Who did it? 
who passed the information. <laughs> well, obviously there had to be someone from here that went to Europe and said, guess what, Wendigo. <laughs> like they coughed on them, like you got Wendigo now. <laughs> you got the Wendigo now. It's you pretty much, you know, how Christianity kind of spread. We just showed up and then we're like, this is our Lord and Savior. And they're like, oh, <laughs> like yeah, that's how I it's talk like. I could talk about how, how Catholicism propagated across uh, the New World with uh, using the power of uh, saints, but uh, I won't because we're not going to talk about that. But that's how the yeah. Wendigo spread the power of saints, Kyle. <laughs> power of no, no, just the power of um, you. You have a god of fishing. Well, guess what? We have a saint of fishing, so you can convert to Catholicism because we've got the same thing. You're gonna love it. You're gonna <laughs> love it. We just we just found this saint of fishing. To replace your god of fishing. So, in a nutshell, that's how the Catholicism spread. So, thanks everyone. Good night. Now, <laughs> it, it makes is so Look much more that's, sense now. They were clever. Oh, they're very clever. You cannot accuse the church of not being clever. Well, anyway, that's very different, spooky. Like, I didn't give an opinion. I just, I'm fascinated by it. Honestly, I did not give an opinion. I think that is, them. to me, that's spooky. To me, that's a spooky way of, uh, of absorbing other people's yeah. religions. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of scary. It's the Wendigo in religion form. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's constantly you. hungry. I'm gonna reach out and grab you. Just like my pool. It tried to take a bird. Oh, Wendigo can fly too. The one last note: ten minutes, ten years what? too late. Yes, in the story. Okay, I'm not going to ruin it, but in the Algernon Blackwood story we read, and I'm not sure if this is in the, the mist because I did not see it, it can fly. And that's not something you see ever either. Usually it crawls or it runs, but it does not fly, and I think that's interesting. Hmm. Okay, so I don't know then if... No, I'm going to say Midnight Mass wasn't a win to go, um, just because of other things. But... <laughs> It was a, because, I already know the way you're describing it. I already figured it out, Sarah. It's a kid with with a propeller baby because he obviously he flies. Nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired of the kid with a propeller baby. He's he's portrayed everywhere, you know. Six. Like on his thumb. He's Get been seen <laughs> Oh my goodness, guys! We're gonna we're gonna ramble forever, so we're gonna let you go. Do the wind to go. See the wind to go. Tell us your Wendigo stories and be safe. It's spooky season. Don't come to my pool. Eat candy. Don't go. Be safe, Wendigo bros. Be safe. <laughs>